You're listening to Once, episode 147, A Curious Thing. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be discussing this episode, A Curious Thing. Three episodes left, but don't worry. Yeah. Some greatness is coming. Two Sunday nights left. Yeah, so keep in mind, again, that the finale is two episodes long. It starts at 8 o'clock, and it will go a little bit past 10 o'clock on that Sunday. So make sure if you're DVRing it, then make sure that you add a little extra buffer before and after to make sure that you get all of that in there. And don't miss a single moment. Yeah. Mother's Day. Yeah. So invite your mother to come watch with you. Or that would be confusing for her. (laughs) (laughs) Just explain everything. Maybe they'll put like a a special feature for mothers just before it that explains the entire series. Mm -hmm. So for those mothers who want to watch that show with you, that show you do, that show you do, (laughs) then they could do that. Nobody is allowed within like a 20 foot radius of a room with a TV on Sunday nights. (laughs) (laughs) No one can make noise either, but we're going to make some noise with this podcast as we talk about this. Let's start out by discussing the past And it starts out in the castle, which, remember, we're still in the pointy spaceship castle. That's the music for the castle. And they're thinking about announcing Snow's baby and all of the concerns over this. And it just ends up that, well, it's kind of the cat's out of the bag now. Zelina knows all of this stuff. Yeah. Zelina knows. And... Still, they have a gaping hole in the side of the castle that just she any old witch up. who happens to be passing by can just fly through on a broomstick. <laughs> yeah. That's great for yeah. fairies, too. You need to leave well, it open true. for fairies to come. That's very true. Well, the fairies don't seem to be doing much fairying lately, so <laughs> they could have closed it. But even at this point, Zelina could sense that this particular baby was just the right one for her. And it makes me wonder if she could sense the magic that it seemed like Glinda, Glinda could sense <laughs> later on in this episode. Yeah. Was I she mean, sensing magic? Yeah, I guess so. I, I get it. Like, I get they're the product of true love, Emma and this new baby, but I don't understand why, for instance, Philip and Aurora's baby would not possess that same power. Yeah. So I I can totally see how that went in the past where like Philip and Aurora are like, oh, yeah, we're pregnant. And then she shows up and she's like, I just need to touch your belly and see if this is the right baby. (laughs) Uh, But either way, I'm still going to kill you because (laughs) I'm evil. (laughs) And then it's not the right baby. I just don't get why. And then I don't get why they were there because they're from a different kingdom. And yeah, Yeah. Philip and Aurora, that. That thing. <laughs> and you could think about, well, with Philip and Aurora, they also went through their own struggle of finding each other, true love's kiss, all of that, just like Snow and Charming did. Exactly. Now, Snow and Charming had a lot more, at least that we've seen, to their storyline. But still, 
it's not like Philip and Aurora had this basic, they meet each other, they get married, they live happily ever after. They also had their struggles. So there's, there's yeah. not all that much. Those two couples have a lot in common. I yeah. think they should, you know, yeah. have dinners together and stuff. Yeah. If Watch each other's kids. You know, yeah. If the they're flying not dead. monkeys. <laughs> if they can get past their whole primate state. I well, mean, Simeon. I'm it's going to be their new band name, the Flying Monkeys. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> The oh. the flying monkeys and the two idiots. That's what they're banned. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uncharming. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> or maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe maybe even though Regina used that name for Snow and Charming, maybe Philip and Aurora are actually the Uncharmings. <laughs> maybe they're just not charming enough. Charmings yeah. and the uncharmings. They're, but, just, they're too young, I think, maybe. <laughs> they're too young. Well, Snow and David are not that old. They just they just act that old. <laughs> they, I think Aurora is like supposed to be like 16, though, right? In the mm, original Sleeping Beauty. Well, yeah, but I don't yeah. think in this. At least, okay. yeah, Disney. But the actress movie. is only like 19 or something. Really? She's looking she, a lot more princess-like, by the way. She is, yeah. yes. And for all of those people who have never liked seeing Philip and Aurora, you probably cheered. Who never moment. liked seeing them? I was annoyed with Aurora in the beginning. Yeah. I like them okay now. They're like the occasional... They're like the neighbors. They're the <laughs> royal neighbors, only now they have claws. <laughs> <laughs> and so what... Of them, no. That's what I... Are they just done? They're just flying monkeys and that's the end of their story? That's not really hurting them. That's just changing them into a monkey, but... I think that what will probably happen from this is when Zelina is defeated, which Mm -hmm. we know that'll happen because good always wins. When Zelina Zelina (laughs) is defeated in the season finale... Spoilers! No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Probably all the flying monkeys will be turned back into people. Except the dead ones. Yeah. Yeah, like, didn't Emma already kill, like... More than we knew existed. Yeah, seven seven flying monkeys. Wow, yes. And a partridge and a pear tree. But we have no idea who those monkeys were, and most likely Zelina still has others, because she did refer to having spies always circling always circling yeah yeah that this scene brought another little uh they've magicked themselves into a corner moment to my mind they keep doing this thing everybody magic apparently can do it where they just flick their hand and freeze people even the other magic people i mean okay so you can't move but shouldn't regina have been able to sort of like emote and break the lock on herself maybe not from zelina but but maybe maybe with when others do it i mean pan even did it to a bunch of them earlier this year it's very convenient but i think that it's maybe a little too convenient well actually no pan couldn't uh, when they were frozen by pan they couldn't emote which is part of what made that scene i mean you know how they feel things and then they use magic so oh, Regina should be able still to use magic, and I would think that she could undo some of it. But I don't know. It makes it gives them opportunities to look awkwardly into each other's faces <laughs> and say things without being interrupted. Yep. 
then we jump to eight months later and we get to see a very time travel (laughs) a very small round table Uh, because remember they're not in the original war council room with the big round table that we saw this is the summer war council but this is very similar to the pilot episode like i realized there's a lot in this episode that goes back to the pilot episode like granny was even here at the table knitting (laughs) just like she was at the original war council table well snow recognizes that herself there's another baby coming Mm -hmm. she needs another significant baby blanket and once again (laughs) snow feels threatened and Mm -hmm. her baby to be fair regina was threatening snow (laughs) not (laughs) yeah but something that stood out to me is that there are no more enchanted items in the forest because grumpy said the fairies had been looking they got zilch makes me wonder if either everything was used up uh, maybe it was consumed during the curse while they were away. Well, even originally, the wardrobe was made out of the last enchanted tree. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that was already kind of happening. So it almost makes me wonder if magic is dying in Enchanted Forest. Huh. And then there's, you know, the whole door thing that happens later that's pretty powerful magic. Yeah. And fairly reminiscent of other things. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't understand uh, Regina's explanation like it was later, but her whole explanation of there's no portals, not for anybody who the curse brought back. Well, there's tons of people there that the curse didn't bring back, like Robin Hood and Aurora and Philip. They were never touched by the curse. Yeah. So is it is it the people who were affected by the curse who can't open a portal or is it the land in general it's not clear nope these are the kinds of questions i've always asked when they start doing these things because every time they've had some sort of curse related destruction in storybrook they've been like it'll affect anybody affected by the curse but also probably these other couple extra people because plot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's not consistent but what can you do, well, really? Well, this episode has a lot of things that aren't really consistent. And we'll be getting into a lot of these things without... We're, we're still, still fans of the show. I still loved it. Yeah. I loved this episode. I just yeah, thought there were good. a couple of things. I was like, eh, come on. But it's okay. Fewer than in a few previous episodes <laughs> this season. We got to see Rumpel's castle again. And that was cool to see Robin being the one to help them break in. Because, yeah, he broke in in the episode Skin Deep. Mm-hmm. And it was he a was, cage, not a home this time. He was yeah. also the one who was living there in the castle when Neil and Mulan came in for Neil to try and find a way. And ended up using Roland to you know, hitch a ride on the shadow. So Robin is quite familiar with living in Rumpel's castle, really. So he is the expert on this. Rumple seemed uh, appropriately crazy, but not as crazy as he was when we saw him later in Storybrooke earlier this season. Like he's still sing-songy rhyming, and but he was able to very clearly explain to them, "Yeah, I've, I've you know, there's two people in my head." Right. Well, he didn't get to take the potion because Neil took it and sent it away. So in Storybrook, oh, right. he'd forgotten 
So he didn't understand maybe what was happening to him entirely. Right. I forgot about that part. Yeah, but... I noted that if I woke up with another mind in my head and I didn't know that there was another mind in my head, I would probably just go with the crazy. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just go with the crazy. Just go with the crazy. But it does seem a bit like maybe in Storybrook, Rumpel does remember. However, maybe he doesn't. Because when he told everyone that it was Zelina who kept him as prisoner, that doesn't mean that he knew everything about Zelina and her plan that he may have known back in Enchanted Forest. He right. may have known it back then and forgot it then. And so that's why he had to try and extract that from Zelina in the last episode we saw. Right. True. Um, Rumpel's line about racing towards the finish line reminded me just in the pilot when they went to see him, he said that when the curse was broken, the final battle will begin. And I know that we've kind of talked about, well, that was in the pilot. And so maybe they're not staying true to that. But um if they're racing to like racing towards the finish line is very similar to final battle because it's the final part of it. Uh, so I do wonder if that's going to be explained at some point, maybe before the end of the season, what this final battle is, because this whole second half has been totally repeating the pilot. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they explain that and that that wasn't just a, Oh, it sounds good for the pilot, but we're going to go a different direction. Yeah, I, th- I still think it might have been just flowery words. Well, when Rumpel said this, it also stood out to me because I wondered if is this some kind of hint as to how the season will end? Mm. Something about the circle of time or the finish line or anything like that. <laughs> or anything with circles and lines, really. Yeah. And time. Ooh. That oh, that's a stretch. I'm gonna say it anyway. Circle of time might be a clock. No, I don't know. Round and round the clock, racing toward the finish mm-hmm. line. No, I that don't really work. think that's what. Hush. Racing There's... toward the boat dock. No, the snowy <laughs> boat dock. dock. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got to learn about Glenda from Oz that she was mm-hmm. the good witch of the South. Which, um, how about the North? Yeah, well, she was, she was called. Yeah, but that doesn't make her the good witch of the north. That just means she's the good witch of the south, who is currently in the north, banished because the north. many lands have a north. It's like she's the opposite of a snowbird now. The opposite? Oh gosh! <laughs> yes, I have to say, I think the effect of the week was incineration. The monkeys. Well, first, the, yes, the monkeys, that was what had stuck in my mind. But rewatching when Robin shot the door, it was almost the same effect. Oh, yeah. The whole door incinerated. <laughs> so somebody figured out how to do a really cool incineration effect. And they're like, this time, the That's door's getting worries. incinerated. The monkeys are getting incinerated. Everything, really. Let's just incinerate the town this time. Forget because, the whole weed problem. <laughs> right. Whether you shoot the monkeys with a bullet or with Regina's fireball, incineration. That's what happens. <laughs> Maybe that's foreshadowing what's going to happen to Zelina. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they mentioned the Dark Forest, which was interesting because we saw Dark Forest in Wonderland as well. That's where yeah. the Burrow Grove was. 
Yes. Oh, that episode. Yes. <laughs> you must sigh. This this dark forest didn't seem as dark as that dark forest. And as creepily happy, either. So this right. was a bit more balanced of a forest. A balanced forest. That's still called the dark forest. Yes, well. You know, the dark one is pretty balanced these days, so. One of the things that we got a piece of feedback here from Slurpees was uh, reminding us of a little song. Slurpees said, there was a line in this episode from Rumpel's Scene Song Madness in the Dark Castle, which stuck out to me. Round and round the circle of time racing toward the finish line harkens back to the series Wheel of Time, in which a character's life can be bale-fired, his past can be changed. Hmm. Interesting. So far okay, we so- know... this. Let me finish this. Uh, so far we know Zelina wants a second chance, which is exactly what Neil wanted. Zelina wants to change the past. Zelina taunted Rumpel with bringing his, back his son. Now we have a circle of time reference. I'm just going to leave it out there for now. <laughs> is bale-fired actually in that original piece that you were yeah, reading that's what she said Whoa. is that yeah in the book series wheel of time oh that's Crazy. the term someone's life can be quote bail fired oh but but what? is that the term in the book or is she making up the term she no that's what she put in here as well yeah yeah so that's that's crazy uh, right I read but... that series i've heard of it Okay, I, I'm just not sure that term's actually in the books. Yeah, no, it is, apparently. Is it? I just Googled. Okay, well. That's pretty crazy. I think I remember someone maybe giving us some feedback a while back when we first learned Balefire's name, pointing out that there was a term in the series Wheel of Time. I, I don't know. I, I might be remembering that incorrectly, but it seems like we might have heard that before, but I'd forgotten yeah, it, it about it. Yeah, it familiar. Until then. Interesting. But Rumpel gave them this little tip of going through the door. Through What was the rhyme? Through the door, step inside. If pure of heart, then she won't hide. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's very similar to Rumpel's style of singing in Storybrooke, where he was saying stuff like, all the voices in my head will be silent when I'm... When I'm- Dead. Dead. <laughs> I think that him and the Jabberwocky took their vocabulary lessons from the same person. Probably. Maybe they yeah. were friends together. They were frenemies, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> then we get to the door. To get to the snowman, we first need to pass the door. The door. The door. The, the door. What is the door? <laughs> the door is everything. All that once was and all that will be. The door controls time and space, love and death. The door can see into your mind. The door can see into your soul. Really? The, the door can do all that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were going to be playing a different <laughs> clip for that based on the heading. <laughs> it all comes down to Charlie the Unicorn. That's what Once Upon a Time is based on, really. Surprise! I he was going to play the door from Love is an Open Door. <laughs> That's... But this door could yeah. see into your soul. Mm, yeah, well, could your heart be. anyway. I 
I like that David finally got to call out something obvious. Like, it appears to be a door. <laughs> yeah, and the little smirk on his face. He's like, ha, finally, I said the smart thing. <laughs> yeah, both he and Snow seemed a little bit childish in this scene. Like, in a fun, playful yeah, way. Uh, hashtag <laughs> condescending <snow> Regina. <laughs> uh, so, such great freeze frames from this scene. But then, then they go through the door. We even got a momentary Evil Queen march with her accompanying music when she couldn't go through. I loved that. <laughs> that was so good. And I want to know why Glinda poofed in so far away from them and then just stood there and they stood where they were. Like, were they were they wary of each other? Were they supposed to go hug each other? Well, no, but I felt like it was kind of like in a Zelda game or something similar, where it's like you walk up to a stationary <laughs> character that clearly has no programming to walk or move or do anything, but maybe turn a little bit. And then you converse and you get the necessary information that you need. And maybe they give you an object for your inventory at the end, which she didn't even do that because she's just kind of, I guess, banished to this small little snow enclave thing. <laughs> wherever she is and but they they had a good little convo mm-hmm. yes did. she and Zelina were friends which makes me think that happened before the episode it's not easy being green because that's the episode where we got mm-hmm. to see Zelina's turn to dark magic and she had her necklace then didn't she I do not remember I yeah I don't remember one would think but uh yeah, so I wonder if we'll ever see that story, if it was just sort of a little, perhaps even a nod to Wicked, dare I say. Yeah. Or even a nod to Frozen. Was well, it, as in the chat room, someone suggested, Elsa froze that land. <laughs> <laughs> uh, After well, all, Glinda is in a kingdom of isolation. They did get there through an open door. And it does look like she's the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like deja vu from last week's episode. You guys have to let it go. <laughs> uh, I noticed that Glinda has a pendant that is almost identical to Zelina's, mm-hmm. only it's a different color. I don't know if that's significant, but I also just, I think you guys mentioned this on Sunday. I had mentioned that the pendant was going to be important. But mm-hmm. then she wasn't always wearing it in Storybrooke. So I was like, oh, maybe not. Was and she not? No. Well, the first time I said that in the very first episode when we were back from break. And then in the next episode, there were a bunch of scenes and it wasn't visible. She could have still been wearing it, but it wasn't uh-huh. like it, it's usually like front and center. There was a moment where we saw her put it on. Okay. Okay. During one of her little montages where she was getting ready for the fight. Well, the funny thing is that Glinda said it focuses her power. So I don't understand how they make the jump to, so now if they remove it, if they take it, she loses her power. Or loses her ability to focus it so well and use it so well. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to have to take it down into the mines and hit it with a pickaxe. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be a popular way of ending seasons <laughs> i hope they don't do that i kind of hope they don't either except i don't know it's a convention they've established with big magical gems i do yeah. wonder who BMG. banished glinda to this land um, i think Zelina did the wizard of oz maybe <laughs> 
Really? Otherwise known as the Walsh monkey. <laughs> I thought that that was what she they were saying, that Zelina banished her because... I, I, don't, I didn't get it because... No, Rumple just said banished to oh, okay. there. And it reminds me a little bit of the abominable snowman or the adorable snowman from monsters <laughs> and incorporated. Nice. They, so they've done what they do. Sometimes they've set up a bunch of stuff and I'm not sure. Will we ever see it? Or do we know all we need to know? Are we going to see it this year somehow in the next three episodes or is, are they setting up for a future season for this relationship? You're saying, yeah, for some Selena? backstory, some relationship, it could be a bigger story. I mean, if they every every half season bring in a new big bad villain and then completely defeat that villain, I mean, that's possibly going to get a little predictable. So I wouldn't be surprised to, if not this year in the future, but possibly this year. I'm not sure Zelina's going to be completely gone and out of the picture just because they win this battle. Right. Well, and it might be that in the next season, the big bad enemy isn't a person it might be an event or a circumstance like maybe zelina succeeds in some way in enacting this spell and it makes all kinds of things go completely out of whack kind of like they need to go realign a donkey wheel somewhere in someone's basement because stuff just starts bouncing around and zelina's nose might start to bleed if it, it might <laughs> it might that could happen one of the things that I think it should, I think Selena's nose should bleed one way or another. Yeah. Sorry, one of the things that, that makes <laughs> me question what's going on here is Glenda could sense that snow's baby was magic and Glenda could sense that both snow's heart and the baby's heart were pure. Well, by the way, this means snow's heart is pure again. Cause yeah. remember there was that little yeah. spot of blackness. Yep. Yeah. Now that's gone. That got picked out. <laughs> yeah. That's why you I should floss. I noticed that too. <laughs> floss your heart. And with this baby being magical, I wonder if that's why Zelina wants this baby is because she knows it will be magical. She can sense the magic and she wants an apprentice she can train in her own way, a prodigy of sorts. I want something. Protégé. I want a reason that just makes us face palm and say, of course. I, w- I don't want it to be just some sort of thing that they speak to us and inform us of some fact we didn't know or that we've been sort of taught in the last few weeks where they're like yeah for reasons unknown this baby is just special i don't want that i want it to be something particular to the baby something about what she wants to do i just want it to be something i want dots connected not a straight line drawn out and a new dot sort of penciled in and it could be that they're going to be dropping hints for us and maybe they have been dropping hints of what will happen because re-watching this episode mm-hmm. there were several hints of what they were going to do with the splitting of the hearts because several times or a couple times it was said that we share a heart like right. regina and robin said robin said well I'll share mine or, or they referred to sharing a heart yeah. and earlier in this episode uh, snow and charming also said that they share a heart so early in the episode they were giving us these hints of 
people can share a heart, but they haven't done that through the series or even through the season. Right. They haven't, but it was, it was new. I kind of liked the way it was new. We got some feedback from our listeners of some possible suggestions of what might have happened here. One is in our forums, Hook's Girl said, my guess is that when Zelina took out or took over Oz, Glenda tried to stop her and found out her magic wasn't strong enough. Zelina then banished Glenda to fairy tale land or enchanted forest to prevent her from causing any issues in Oz. Perhaps after Dorothy tried to melt Zelina. I like that because my impression of Glinda would be that hers would be light magic too. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just looking at her, her, her apparently focusing pendant and all that stuff. Yeah. But, and, Ru- and that would, Rumpel said that too. That would, Oh, okay. And that would explain why she's like, no, really whoever it is has to be the most powerful <laughs> because I apparently, fail mm-hmm. they should try to find her in storybrook so that she can join their fight if oh, she is in Storybrooke, i think she's still sitting in the cold doing nothing at all i guess but the curse should have brought her she's just being one with the wind and sky she's in a pocket universe <laughs> yeah it, it does seem like that and we don't know the extent of this new curse that snow cast it might have only affected the localized Enchanted Forest people. Who would have ever thought we'd say that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> the curse that Snow White cast on yeah, the Enchanted Forest. Really weird. And we'll dig more into that when we bring Jacqueline on for our discussion about that point in a little bit. But, it, oh, and on on this with the door that they, and let me just say that over again. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. I just wanted to sing Love is an Open Door. I'm trying not to. After they come back through the door, they could see into their soul. They tell Regina what's going on. And that's when Regina mentions that there aren't any more portals. All of the lands are now separated from each other. Yes. A little more, um, a little more fact vomit. Yeah. But like, well, of course, it's obvious, don't you know? And it's like, no, nobody knew that because that wasn't a thing before. You just spoke it into existence. Okay. And it is one of those things that doesn't really seem necessary to say all the lands are divided because if the lands weren't divided, that doesn't matter because there's still no way to get to Storybrooke, which is supposed to be a land without magic. Or did the end of season one make storybook and make our world a land with magic that it could be traveled to so easily well they've always kind of spoken out of both sides of their magical little mouths mm. they're like <laughs> it's a land without magic you have to use a curse to get there also an enchanted wardrobe maybe magic beans but those things are scarce the ship. don't even look so the yeah ship? the ship the jolly roger well that came through when Cora and... that was a magic bean yeah that was magic grab it yeah, right. Yeah, that's just. And we don't know how Herc got back this time. Correct. And so, so if oh, I just thought of this, if the original dark curse was to bring them to a land without magic, and Storybrooke lost its magic when it ceased to exist in the mid-season finale, 
why is there magic there now? I think it just came back as I, I, <laughs> I think it's kind of like once you've opened the world to magic, then magic just continues to exist. Maybe that's magic was bleeding through. Yeah. They also said magic works differently there, but now it doesn't. Now, it's, magic works exactly as they intend it to. It's kind of this thing that, let's call it Heartblade, for example. Oh, gosh. And where they... So we have to. <laughs> they, they opened it up, and they left it open, and from that, they were able to get magic to come through and stay. Mm. That's why they should have changed their passwords. This sounds a little like something Regina would tell everybody in a certain scene, just just to get it out there and explain it away. So, I don't know. I'm a little okay with the rule-ish, just because originally it was supposed to be that only, for the most part, the curse could do it. Yeah. Except, couldn't they just have said, there are no more magic beans, no more enchanted trees? Did there have to be this sort of wall thing? Well, that does also give us explanation for how Snow's curse... (laughs) <laughs> didn't affect all the lands because yeah. all the lands are divided. It only affected enchanted forest land. And it's still never been yeah. clear how that worked in the first place. But it, it's almost like as long as they're revealing facts through dialogue, all they would have had to do is say that there were no more possible portals to get there. And or that, remember, it's a land without magic. You can't get there except by these ways and there are no portals and then just sort of as they're opening the scene just say something like and we've altered the curse so that magic will come back with us you know and we won't lose our memories but then of course selena and let's remove your memories and all that stuff but they're kind of like they're kind of backing themselves into a corner now because what if (laughs) in two seasons they want to use the enchanted forest and have a portal for some storyline that they're using but you can't and then it's just going to be something that frustrates us then because of what they said now and (laughs) yeah that's why that's why sometimes (laughs) rules and roadmaps are very helpful to an overall plot line unless maybe this is part of what they're setting it up for in season four is that because the lands are divided what will happen in at the end of this season is everyone gets thrown to a completely different land and away from Storybrooke, away from Enchanted Forest. Maybe it's one of these other enchanted lands that we've wanted to go to. Maybe it's Oz. Maybe it's somewhere completely different. Honestly, I think it's plot device nonsense. Yeah. Because she even added, not for those of us the curse brought back. So is it a wall or is it a barrier for specific people? She didn't say what she meant by lands. Is it just between our world and the Enchanted Forest? Is it all lands? Could they not go to Wonderland? Can maybe the white rabbit in Wonderland not travel? Can mermaids now not travel between lands? Could they not go to Neverland? That's not even that's not even clear. I think just maybe because they needed a reason to cast the curse. Hmm. Well, one idea is how Hook maybe got back. Remember, Hook said he was sailing the realms and he wasn't brought back with the curse he was brought back somehow else it seems mm-hmm. and a suggestion here came from Katie Lacour saying after all the answers we got about the curse being cast including Regina's remark about the fact that there are now walls between the two worlds that prevent them from crossing realms except by means of the dark curse 
I'm more in the dark than ever about how Hook made it back to our land. After meeting Glinda, I'm wondering if she had anything to do with it. Do you think it's possible that she took the silver slippers from Zelina? It would make Jefferson's remark in The Doctor about the slippers being moved to another land make more sense. Although, keep in mind that that... That happened a long time ago. Yeah, although, well, she... What Katie is saying is that maybe... Maybe Glenda took those slippers a long time ago. And she's had them ever since. And then she's been saving them and then gave them to Hook when Hook needed them. She's been saving them for a special occasion. In a shoebox somewhere. Yes. Yes. They, they, oh my gosh. (laughs) Do you think that line had more meaning than we thought? We thought it was funny. But we have already seen some very powerful footwear in this story. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I just thought that it was dumb. (laughs) Sorry. You're all like, as a woman, I was offended. No, I just thought it was a bad attempt at a, (laughs) at a, like, a joke like that. For snow. It was kind of out of character. It was out of character, but I thought it was pretty funny. It was fairly out of character for that grouping of people to be searching the apartment as well, but I liked it. Well... (laughs) Katie continues um, making this good point here. She said, I also noticed that Zelina didn't use her slippers to travel to our land. She just allowed herself to be picked up by the curse. Why would she do that if she had her own more controlled form of transportation? Anyway, I think Glenda may have the slippers and maybe she passed them on to Hook, showing him, allowing him to cross realms since she invested or at least... uh, since she seems invested or at least interested in helping to defeat Zelina. I want to see Hook in the slippers. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yes. However, if they even hint that the slippers could have gotten them to our world, suddenly it's like Regina and the Charmies are just not even trying. Because that means there was at least one other way... And who knows how many other ways to have come here without the curse, without killing Charming, that they didn't even explore. They didn't even ask. They didn't go find Blue. They didn't say, is there anything we can do? They didn't do anything. So there better not be another way shown within the fabric of the same story that they really could have done it. If somebody could have just popped over in the slippers, gotten Emma, and come back and done the same thing. Time was of the essence also, right? Well, yeah, but mm, I don't know. Like, they how long at least did Rumple look for those st- slippers for? Belle showed up. Couldn't she have done some research? True. Just find some other object. Hmm. A wall's a wall. The slippers shouldn't get through either. Well, let's jump over a little <laughs> bit in the story to talking about Zelina and this memory potion that she's creating. What confused me a little bit here in the way that this whole curse is working this time is remember the original dark curse, everyone forgot except Regina. Yes. Regina cast the curse. Yes. This time, everyone forgot, including Snow. But that wasn't part of her design. The person who designed that element and mixed it in didn't lose her memories. Well, no, Zelina was going to lose her memories. No, she wasn't. She was. That's why she made the memory potion. She drank it. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. She did it so that she would be immune to her own curse. Yeah. Maybe she threw it in in a hurry. Oh, oh you know what? <laughs> you're saying that. Just put the pieces together. Maybe okay. for uh, you out there, this also helped you. Is this curse that Snow is going to cast didn't have any kind of memory right. loss. There were no new it. stories. Right. So there was no need and it would make sense that she wouldn't be the only one to remember because she wasn't the one that put in the forgetting part. It was Zelina who put that in. Right. But since Zelina didn't design the curse, she couldn't exclude herself from it. She could only right. add this. She's just spicing yeah. it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As but, she does. But Rumple, <laughs> I'm going to go on the side that Rumple didn't remember until now that the curse is broken and that's why he had to do digging all that he could know is to say <laughs> this Selena's conversation is so familiar <laughs> yeah did rumple know the whole time did mr gold know who he was the whole time i think maybe once he heard emma's name <laughs> Good i like i liked zelina's drink it dump it sing it a song <laughs> whatever you want to do anything will work <laughs> He probably did sing it a song. But it was great to see Neil come out of the struggle. Something that I completely didn't expect the first time we watched this episode. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we would see Neil. I think even in past episodes of the podcast, I said, I doubt we'll see Neil again because he's been absorbed in one storyline, in one timeline, and he's dead in the other. We have no reason to see him again. He's probably off the show now. Completely. But we well, got to see him come back and stagger around a room one more time and remind <laughs> us that Killian Jones is, in fact, Captain Hook. Yeah. By saying both <laughs> names to a bird. Very helpful. I wanted to know why Neil <laughs> separated from Rumple, whereas in Storybrooke, he always just changed into him. Well, in Storybrooke, Emma had to separate the two of them. Well, but he right. kept coming to the surface and it and it was like Rump it was like he got turned inside out and Rumple was inside and then he turned back into Neil and yeah. so they kind of, you know, they it's... broke their own rules as they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a little okay. inconsistent, yeah. Fair enough. I I think they could have just gone with Rumple changed to Neil. Neil then did this. And then Neil changes back into Rumple. Yeah, since they'd already established it, there was actually no reason to have him separate and then fall down back and f- voop back inside. And I don't know. It was a cool effect. It though. was, but yeah. they established the precedent like four weeks ago Yeah, for what was supposed to happen <laughs> yeah, instead of that. <laughs> but when Neil sent the dove out, the dove, he said, find Hook on the Jolly Roger. So this is the same time that Hook is out sailing the realms just before the curse hits. And that apparently birds can cross through realms. Well, they use those words interchangeably too. So sometimes it means within a world, sometimes it means a different world. Yeah. Sometimes land means a different world and sometimes it means a different kingdom. So I don't really know what that means. It could mean anything except they've not actually shown us that the Jolly Roger can cross worlds on its own. He needed magic beans and there aren't any more. Right. So I'm going to say he was still somewhere uh, within the world of the Enchanted Forest, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is quite large. By the way, our listener 
cutie pie mm. <laughs> uh, some message that connected something that I'd forgotten about is uh, she said, just wanted to make a note that back in the episode, Quiet Minds, when Neil climbs out of bed and shakes hands with Hook, he says, thank you, by the way. And Hook says, for playing nanny. And Neil replies, for getting Emma the message to come back. That's basically uh, yeah. a giveaway then that Neil was the one. Mm-hmm. Although back then it was very easy to take it as Neil just knew she got a message. Hook right. was the one who delivered it. Right. So clever. Clever. Yeah. That that was good writing there. That they're being consistent with that. To now realize when we go back to that, realize that Neil knew full well and he was communicating mm-hmm. in a sense yeah. that he was the one who gave her the message. Yeah, I agree. Well done. Awesome. Thank you for noticing that, cutie pie. <laughs> I, just, I feel wrong for saying that. <laughs> yes. We've also got a great forum post that I won't be able to read all the posts from this, but it's about Neil's message and Hook's escape. So check the show notes for this episode, number 147 at oncepodcast.com slash 147, where you can read these posts, especially the posts from Jenna B., Fee, and Hook's girl, (laughs) who have uh, some theories and connections about the message that Neil sent, and as well as how did Hook get to our land. There were some little prop glitches with this, like the the bottles were a little bit different. Yes. And uh, certain things there, yeah, slightly different. Oh, between what we saw go out the window and what Hook had? Yeah, just mm. minor differences. It's important. Yeah. Maybe Hook had to take some of the memory potion so that once he got to Storybrooke, he... No, yeah, no, that doesn't work. You know what? <laughs> that could very well make sense. Because maybe he did. How else? And if he did take it, then that means that he was just brought to our land like everyone else. There's only enough for one. Oh, no, actually, there was enough for two, but somebody else took the rest. Yeah. That doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about pilot flashbacks. Yes. Yeah, I would actually love it. <laughs> Before we move on to talk about this last scene in Enchanted Forest and bring Jacqueline on for that conversation... I want to thank some people who have helped make this episode possible. Thank you so much, Steve Johnson, David Newland, and Lisa Slack for donating over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. We really appreciate the support because it, it costs quite a bit to run the podcast and we could not do the podcast without your help. So thank you so much. And also thanks to our Patreon backers. Patreon is a different kind of way of supporting the podcast. It's where you pledge a certain amount for each episode that we produce, and you can set a limit. So if we release 100 episodes in a month, you don't get billed for every single one. You might just be billed up to whatever limit it is that you set for a monthly limit. And right now we're up to $3.25 per episode. And what's really cool is you can contribute pretty much any amount that you want. It could be $0.25 cents per episode or $5 or $20 or a dollar. We've got or several different thousand dollars. Yes, per, per episode. Per episode. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But you have several different options from which you can choose over there on Patreon and uh, pledge your support for each episode. We really appreciate that. And we're putting together some cool little things for those who pledge over there. So you've got several options for ways that you can support the podcast if you'd like. Find out about these over at oncepodcast.com 
slash sponsor for a one-time donation, an automatic monthly donation, or a per-episode pledge through Patreon, as well as ways that you can support the show if you have a business and you'd like to sponsor the podcast or anything like that. Please check it out at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. We just brought Jacqueline on the line with us. Jacqueline, thanks for joining us to discuss this scene. Hi, guys. This part where Snow is the one to cast the curse. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline, first, since you're involved with the spoilers, did you know this was coming? Did anyone no. know? No. Wow. This this was a surprise. Um, and in fact, in a lot of the spoilers, the way they teased it, the two most popular theories were Glinda and Hook. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we were actually taken by surprise. That's great. <laughs> that is good. That's why it was filmed in like a cave, right? So that none of the spectators <laughs> could see. <laughs> well, there's a lot to dig into this scene, and that's why we brought Jacqueline, Jacqueline on to discuss specifically this scene. And I, I like the symbolism here of the we share one heart, where, again, Charming said this, again, letting mm-hmm. us know, we're setting us up for it, just reinforcing some of the things that have been said before. But the symbolism here is great yeah, because of what marriage is supposed to be. And like at the end of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, they use the phrase too, uh, you two are now one. And that's what marriage is so much supposed to be. It's two people becoming one. And so I can, I love the symbolism. Mm -hmm. I just hate the magic (laughs) of it and how they, or broke the rules of Mm. magic. Now, what do you mean by broke the rules? Well, (laughs) dead is no longer dead. Well, okay. See, what's interesting is the first time we watched it. Well, that's officially kind of the biggest joke in the once verse. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. The first time we watched it, I thought, I was almost confused when he collapsed because they foreshadowed it so strongly I thought he was trying to say, I will keep living because we share your heart or we share one heart. So your heart's enough for both of us. And I thought that the intent was that he was going to, I don't know how I thought that at first, but I thought that maybe somehow he was still supposed to be okay. Hmm. Even after she crushed his heart. Yeah. I I wasn't even sad watching the scene because I didn't figure it would ever happen. Well, way. we knew he was alive because we've seen the future. <laughs> well, yeah. Unless he was, you know. But then I thought, oh, maybe that's a flying monkey. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, like I, I think I said before, right in, even as all this was happening, I was thinking, what have we seen from him? Could he be a flying monkey? But then there were things like, you know, taking the impression of his courage. You don't, there would be no point yeah. to that if he weren't real. So I knew yeah, he was real. True. So I knew something had to happen. I would have liked it better if he was a fake this whole time. And it would tie into... Boy, so there's, horrible. There are several movies <laughs> that play along with this. And I won't say which one, so I don't spoil things. But where <laughs> the main character goes through the entire movie thinking he's this certain person. And then discovering at the end, no, he's not. He's the fake. <laughs> there, I'm thinking of... Star Trek's like that. Four movies. I oh, know wow. what movies you're thinking of. I know and one. I haven't seen them, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. that's what I wanted it to be because mm-hmm. that would have been, I think, cooler and would have been easier to accept than this whole thing of, well, splitting the hearts saves you. Because think about this. If we had only known about the heart splitting technique <laughs> before, here are the people I could think of that we could have saved. Well, 
Graham could have been mm. saved. Well, yes, but there would have to be someone willing to do it and capable of doing it. Yeah. A Henry Sr. could have maybe been saved. Mm. Well, yeah, because There's Regina not... was, that was the thing Regina loved most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the relationships aren't strong enough. Yeah, I, I don't think that their true love was the type where they could share a heart. And I, I certainly don't think that Emma and Graham share a heart. I don't think that works. Daniel could have Daniel been saved. for sure. Daniel. Yeah. But Regina just didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but in that in just as we're talking about Daniel, they they were looking for the right enchanted heart to revive him, right? Mm-hmm. It had to be the right one. Right. And, and- so perhaps that was a little bit foreshadowy because oh. if if Regina had split her heart, that would have been the right one. Well, well, Frankenstein believed he needed a heart strong enough, and they just needed an enchanted heart. And you know the because those were the ones strong enough. The original Frankenstein story is that this monster that Frankenstein created was given the brains of oh. actually a killer, a psychopath. Good job, and that's why. This monster, I mean, like acted like a monster and started killing people because he had the brains of someone else. Maybe that's why Daniel or zombie Daniel was so horrible was because the heart that they chose from Cora's vault was a heart of a killer. I don't know. And so they put that in Daniel and that's why Daniel started acting so horrible. But this list continues of other people (laughs) who could have been saved by this, uh, by this heart. Mila could have been saved. Hook could have maybe split his heart since he and Mila were apparently true loves. Um, Esmeralda could have been saved. That's oh. who we think was the girl that who Regina... Who is her love? Oh, I don't know. I don't think they wanted to save her. Nobody <laughs> maybe, wanted to save that poor girl. Maybe Esmeralda's true love was the horse that could have been saved. I don't think so. That Rumpel killed. I think you're definitely stretching hearts right here. They're stretching hearts. They're, They're they stretching are. so far. They, they, they didn't work. It, it wasn't so very cool. stretchy. Okay, and it also <laughs> means that in the end, Snow didn't give up anything. She managed to find a way to circumvent the entire cost of casting the curse. So now I have to wonder if there really is a price that she's going to have to pay. Yeah, no hole in her heart. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't I know. I mean, there's no hole in her heart. No one died, which is the cost of the dark curse. You have to give up the thing you love most. If you're going to do something that is so dark and evil and twisted, you have to be willing to sacrifice the thing you love. And Snow was willing, Mm -hmm. and then she managed to get around it. And so there was no price paid. Speaking of which... all magic comes with a price. She used the darkest magic, supposedly, that is known, but it really amounted to a bubbling cauldron prepared by Regina and into which Snow put Charming's heart. And that was kind of it. And apparently that was nothing that had no lasting effect on her to use such dark magic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's true. Oh man. (laughs) We're ruining it for me (laughs) because everything else aside, I loved the scene. I loved watching Regina's respect for them and just sort of, letting them have their privacy and how she was clearly pained to do everything that she did. I mean, she ripped out both their hearts in one scene. You'd think that she'd, you know, enjoy that on some level, but she didn't (laughs) because she is, she has come around. Mm -hmm. The the music was great. 
loved all that. Yeah, the emotions, like what you were saying with Regina expressing the concern, the respect, also the the honesty. This is going to hurt, mm-hmm. and the compassion in many ways with this, and like Snow's mm-hmm. earnestness and that eagerness of. I can have him back. I, I'm so excited. I, I think this will work. And Snow said that it was her faith and her belief is what made her heart strong enough to do this. Mm-hmm. And all of that's really cool. And even how this ties back into the pilot episode, that the iconic scene of Snow over Charming's almost dead body and <laughs> evil queen Regina comes in and the curse comes that scene has been repeated in multiple cases like Regina over Daniel's body mm-hmm. when Cora crushed Daniel's heart and it's been repeated in other places as well as well and here it's been repeated again but this time the emotions are completely different until right. Zelina shows up and takes the place of the one who's wanting to ruin everyone's happy endings right. which well, I I get the the emotional part, and it's great. And you know, props to all the actors because they did it so well. But it doesn't change the fact that in fantasy, you first build a world that has rules, and then you have to make those rules consistent, or else you lose all credibility. And I'm never going to believe anything ever again. <laughs> and the fact is, Regina split that heart in two, and now they have half a heart each, which has never been talked about anywhere in this show. And it's always been dead is dead and you have to give up the heart of the thing you love most for this curse to work. And both of those rules were rejected. And he was dead for several he, minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing that they have established in their defense is that Snow and Charming are unique, almost a true love stronger than any other. Yeah. That's actually a point a lot of people made in the forums. Because this has been a, a big topic this week. Oh, yeah. As you can I'm imagine. Sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I've <laughs> actually, seen <some> <laughs> actually, Snow, if, if the wording is that Snow had to give up the heart of the thing she loved most, she did. Mm-hmm. She didn't give up the life of the thing she loved most, but she did give up, like, Charming does not have his heart. So if that's the technicality, that kind of works. And go back to the pilot and we see, or not the pilot, but the second episode, the thing you love most. When Rumpel explained to Regina why the curse didn't work, he said, uh, you need a heart. You need to sacrifice the heart mm-hmm. of the thing you love most. But then he ended it by saying, go find the thing you love most and kill it. Mm-hmm. So, Well, she tried to give up a heart before because she gave up the horse, right. the horse heart, <laughs> but it wasn't the thing she loved most. She was trying to do what Snow did, which was circumvent the cost. Like not killing her father. And then she realized, no, if I'm going to do this, it has to be the thing I love most. And that's when she killed Henry Sr. But Snow did follow that rule. She did give the heart of the thing she loved most. And then she got around it. If I can further complicate this, we know now that she had Daniel's body in a preservation spell and she didn't go get his heart and use it for the curse. Well... Cora yeah. crushed his heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, mind. yeah. True. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it's mixed in with horse manure. Sorry, but that's where it oh. is. <laughs> <laughs> Something else from the scene that I have in my notes is just uh, so husband trumps baby because. Oh, my. I. That was. Yeah. Like, so 
just I don't know very many women that would say they love their husband more than their children. I don't know that you can actually compare those two or say that you love one more than the other. But um, if it's the thing you love most, that's to me, that was a little bit like, oh, shouldn't she love Emma as much as charming? Emma is her baby. And also she has another baby now, too. And so husband Trump's baby does husband Trump baby. I think so. And I think that is a good model for marriage. There are. I know I'm talking about marriage morality and stuff here, but there, and I'm the married person, so I can do this here. <laughs> if oh, one wow. of you get okay. married, then you can talk about this. Oh, too. My. But there are many problem families out there today where the couple makes their children the priority and they love their children more than they love their spouse. And so when their children leave eventually, then they really struggle in marriage because they're purpose in marriage to them, their perspective is gone. Now, what do they do with each other? Uh, the The best approach, and I'm not saying like hate your children, but the best approach uh, that I've seen from many marriage counselors is that it's a different kind of love. Mm-hmm. But like, if it comes down to it, it's the spouse is just a little bit more like, here's a practical example. If someday when we have a kid and the kid says one thing and my wife says something else, I side with my wife. Right. So mm-hmm. it's it's a I love them I would love them both. But in terms of priority, one is just a little bit more than the other. Right. And and I know that it's controversial too. So I know that many people will say, well, no, stay married for the kids or make your marriage, make your family about your kids, all of this. And certainly the perspective of the mother of the mother so much more than a father. A mother has so much more of a connection with her children because she's the one who gave birth to her <laughs> children. So there's so much more of an emotional, psychological, physical connection, even in so many ways. But I think we can definitely say at this moment, it's pretty easy to say the one she loved the most at this moment is charming. Right. That's an interesting perspective, and I I don't know. I'm not married, nor do I have children, so I'm, I can't really give any kind of insight into that. But looking at the show, the reason why they're doing all this is to protect their child. They went to Galinda to get help to save the child. They cast the curse to get their other child to come save their new child. So... <laughs> It's actually all about their children at this point. Yeah, that's true. And still then she sacrificed Charming. So, I mean, I I don't know about, you know, who should she love more, but the reasoning behind it is because of the love of their children. Well, in this case, it's Charming is sacrificing himself. Snow isn't saying, like, I'm going to sacrifice you so I can my child will continue to live. Charming was the one that said, you need to do this. I need to be the one to sacrifice mm-hmm. myself in order for our children to be saved. That's yeah. That's a good model there too. So it's not I'm choosing you over our child. It's right. I'm choosing yeah, you but and Snow's our child casting the curse, not charming. Right. Well, he was the one that suggested that he be the one to sacrifice. Well, and their deepest yeah. love is for each other, but their their right, combined but highest, the actual curse. Their it. combined highest priority is their children together. Yeah. In a sense. Or at least the protection of the children. 
yeah, as a team, that's that's their next priority mm-hmm. after each other, their children. So it's it's really yeah. up there together. And really everybody else. I mean, they they there's always sort of the person that stands out in these things, but they are saving the kingdom. Right. Yeah. And defeating evil. Right. They're doing what's right, wickedness. like they always do. They're defeating pretty much wickedness. always. Right, right, wickedness. Uh, which, uh, there again, once again, they're trying to use dark magic to to do good. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All these labels. So if they're sharing a heart, if one dies, will the other die? I still think sharing a brain. Yes. Right? That's what I want to know. That, or is I mean, it like a transplant? No, I think that if season four has some villain with a vendetta against one of them, it's now very easy to kill both. You take the heart of Charming and crush it, and you're also going to kill Snow. Because mm-hmm. she can't live with half a heart. Yeah, we need right. Regina to put that protection spell on them so nobody <laughs> can take their hearts. Yes, and we need her to put it over the gaping holes in the sides of the castles. <laughs> and we need her to to put it over... Um, various offices and various hearts and maybe some heads because brains and maybe to throw some fireballs at Zelina or deflect or put a protection spell over where she's casting curses. I don't know. Do something. Zelina keeps coming in and ruining everything. Fight back. Which speaking of Zelina coming in, the cat claws just come up in those (laughs) sisters when those... Like, it happened earlier when she came in at the very beginning of the episode, and it happened in this scene. They just become these, like, they are both very, like, intimidating, articulate women. And then when they get together, they act like teenage sisters, which is amazing. I love it. Obi's girl suggested (laughs) that uh, the twisting of the two hearts apart is kind of like Oreo cookies. It was. (laughs) It was. Oh, Although rewatching it, there was a little more of a breaking, but first you twist it and then you lick it, then you dunk Ew. it, no, you put don't. it back together, you do then things. you eat it. Stop. No, no eating hearts. Oh, no, uh, that's season five. Oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the Siler episode. <laughs> yeah. To somebody somewhere to accomplish something that they need to and cast a curse. You have to eat the heart of the thing you love most, dearie. That's the Chuck Norris Ew. episode. No. <laughs> So the oh evil my. queen actually broke Snow's heart. Mm-hmm. But Literally. for good reason. Literally. Literally. It There was so much, but yeah, there was so much in the picture of it. And some of these things I just tell myself, well, yes, it is a fairy tale and they do need to establish rules, but sometimes little things done in fairy tales don't make the most sense. It's like how when I object to things watching movies based on comic books, people tell me it's a comic book. Mm. And I say, that doesn't make that make any sense. And they say, yeah, it does. Okay. I wonder if Snow and Charming's like blind faith has anything to do with why they are so powerful as a couple. Like Snow is crazy crazy faith (laughs) like just rip my heart in half it's okay everything will be for none if this doesn't work but i believe that this will work so do it Mm -hmm. and they they're always like that they are they have like what does emma call it like something about their ridiculous optimism all the time yeah 
you know, for that matter, she didn't have the idea till after the curse had been cast. So technically, she did make the sacrifice, and the curse just didn't say, "Hey, wait, I saw that. Never mind. I'm gonna go back in my little cauldron." Well, it's because she thought it would be in vain, because suddenly she's gonna be in Storybrooke and not know where he is. So her motivation is, "No, I need my husband beside mm, me." True. Jacqueline, what are some of the reactions from the forum about Snow's casting the curse? Um, okay, so I pulled a few from both sides here. And Fee <laughs> wrote an essay, but I pulled just a little bit. Um, and she said, Snow killing Charming is absurd. Charming volunteering to sacrifice himself, that I can believe. But Snow actually killing him was incredibly hard to believe. I know that people have said that the show has jumped the shark before, but I've never felt they were so close to that as I do with this ridiculousness. You can split a heart in two to revive someone who died by having their heart ripped out now? Well, alrighty then. <laughs> and she goes on for a little bit. And then she also managed to point out that they managed to construct a story that makes snowing look like massive hypocrites because they told Neil they shouldn't and indeed couldn't go back to Emma and Henry and yes, I know that they changed their minds based on what Galinda told them, but that doesn't change the fact that they told Neil it can't happen. And then they had to turn around and concede to casting the freaking dark curse in order to get back to Emma. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I just take a moment to say how amusing I find it that everybody calls Glinda Galinda because of Wicked? It's like yeah. they can't help themselves. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I noticed myself. that when I read it, and I was like, "Oh, that's not right." <laughs> I have to c- remind myself to call her Glinda. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's valid. It is. It's. It's. I think it's perfectly valid. You know, the minute that it affects them, then it's oh well, we have to get back and we have to cast the dark curse. You know, which like. If you had told me in season one, you wait two seasons, Snow and Charming are going to cast the Dark Curse, I would have said you were insane. Hmm. But at the same time, without the motivation of all is lost if we don't do this, I'm sure that probably somewhere in the backs of their minds, they're like, well, yeah, another curse would do it, but who's going to do that? We're not. That makes no sense. But once everything was so grim with Selena. Then they had a reason to think about it because they do want to see Emma and Henry again. So so it does affect them, or it, it always affected them, but the curse was just not an option until the alternative to no curse was worse. Well, you mentioned how grim it is with Selena. Mm-hmm. A, um, okay, now, granted, she is threatening their child, but they have Regina, who is supposed to be, you know, one heck of a sorceress. And every time that they've come up against Zelina so far in the Enchanted Forest, all she's done is talked at them. She hasn't actually done a whole lot. And still, we don't see Regina even trying to do anything. So we talk about this, you know, oh, they have to get away from (laughs) Zelina, but they're not even trying to fight her. They didn't know what she was planning back then. That's true. They only yeah. found out recently that she intends to change the past. And, you know, that's something worth fighting, but they didn't know it. Well, sure, but in the Enchanted Forest, it was, she wants our child. That's what I mean. And then, and then they waited for, like, eight months <laughs> to do something about it. 
go kill her. Go actually try to throw a bucket of water on her. Yeah. Once podcast does not actually advocate murder, but we do advocate buckets of water. <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. That's amazing. <laughs> yep, yep. It's so funny. It's so funny because all this stuff is valid. And then there are all these counter arguments. And, and then I step back and I listen to the conversations we're having out of context. And it just makes me laugh. <laughs> but, you know, as far as the ideas of, oh, you can revive someone just by set, splitting a heart and sticking one half in. I just don't think it works with anyone but these two. Well, um, I'll read a, something here that came from the forums from Bell of the Ball. Um, who was opposed to everything that I just read from Fee. And she says, I think Charming and Snow's love is different than everyone else's in the entire show. They have a connection like no one else. Do Belle and Rumpel love each other? Of course, as did Regina and Daniel. But none of them have the connection of Snow and Charming. Their children are the sole products of true love. They can feel each other's pain. They are connected on so many levels that our other couples haven't quite reached yet. I don't think splitting of hearts would work for just anyone. I think you need to have an incredibly strong emotional connection to one another as though you've already shared one heart in order for this to work. Mm-hmm. They have reached that point. Mm. Yes, I agree. Yeah, if it had been Regina who had lost her heart for some reason, splitting Snow's heart and putting half in Regina would not have done anything or made any sense. Right. Yeah, and there are a lot of other great forum posts on this too, and a lot of posts and ideas and theories and opinions and back and forth on this so we'll have a link to the full thread where you can read all of these and please do participate in the forums because so much great conversation is going on over there so we'll have that link to these posts and more in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 147 what else about this casting of the curse really stood out as uh, things that well just either don't jive or what this means for the rest of the show and how things will connect. Well, the other big thing that didn't seem to jive is that Regina is the one that broke it. And before I get into that, I want to say that I'm happy it was Regina. I loved that moment. I thought it was poetic and beautiful. But the problem is that the way they have shown the curse working previously, there's a logic to it. So in season one, we learned that Emma is the savior because Rumpel took a strand of her parents' hair and created true love potion and then put a drop of that onto the scroll. Mm-hmm. Thus, Emma was the savior. But this didn't happen with Regina. She's not born of true love because Cora and Henry Sr. are not true love. <laughs> and our gang of heroes were trying to perform the curse away from Zelina, so there was no savior sort of written into the curse. And on top of that, the scroll that you need for the dark curse was destroyed when Regina crumpled it to counteract Pan's spell. So there is no way to put Regina as savior on the scroll. That's true. How did they even do this curse? She had it so, memorized. So I love the poetry that it's Regina who kisses Henry and breaks the curse. But from a internal, in-show, logical standpoint, I have no idea why. That... Uh, that's actually really interesting and kind of plays into where I objected the other week when they dumped a potion on something and said, this is a spell. 
And then sometimes a scroll is a curse, and sometimes a curse is a bubbling vat, and sometimes a spell is spoken as an incantation, and it, mm, there's not even really any consistency. In- ABC, ABC. I know Sorry, guys, have- we love you, but... Yeah, mm. we know you have people listening to this podcast. Here's a tip. You need to hire someone. I, su- I was going to suggest that, Jacqueline. <laughs> I know your show backwards and forwards. Literally, I spend... Thirteen hours a day talking about this show. Just hire me. Yes, ABC, <laughs> hire Jacqueline, please. Uh, we can find another forum moderator. It's okay. Don't worry about us. But <laughs> hire Jacqueline to help make some of these things consistent. Hey, just email us feedback at oncepodcast.com. I'll put you in touch. You can, you know, arrange it. Everything. She would love it. You would love it. It'd be a win-win. The fans. We would, would love, love it. it. <laughs> I dare say that continuity is more important to today's audiences than maybe ever before more widely important and you know a problem or with that that caused the problem Mm -hmm. is lost i think really caused that problem that we now expect so much more because for the most part the writing on lost was so good and yes kitsis and horowitz worked on it but they Mm -hmm. weren't the main people behind it that came up with all of the amazing writing People who grew up with Star Trek knew, you know, they had things like the show Bible, as they called it. And it just, it had, you know, tons and tons and tons of backstory that was written to guide their writers that never even necessarily made it into the show or it was mentioned in conversation. But just to keep them on track and tie things together so that they could go lots of places and not you know so star trek long time star trek fans are used to it and used to most shows falling way short but yes after lost and as shows have become less um less episodic and more serialized continuity begins to matter a whole lot when you have a show that's just story week story of the week and very little of the overarching plot ever changes it's easy to keep continuity within one and 45 minute <laughs> program but when you when every show now has just stories that go on for years and years, it's just it's more difficult. But I don't know that everyone has started paying as quite as much attention as as audiences demand. Yeah. Today's <laughs> audiences demand excellent continuity. Mm-hmm. I am trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I theorized that Regina could break the curse. By kissing Henry. And I can't remember why I theorized that. Because I feel like if I knew why, then I would be able to, like, appease some of the people who are like, why did that happen? But I think I just thought it would make sense. No, I mean, it does. And it was a very popular theory. I think everybody over at the forums expected this. We expected that it would be Regina. But we also expected that there would be some sort of logic to it because there is a logic to why emma is the savior yeah i was thinking that perhaps regina wrote that in because she did really help with the curse but and then she wouldn't have remembered that until she kissed henry but they could have showed that if that was the case mm-hmm. yeah it's it's great for the story but yeah it leaves us with some questions that unfortunately i don't think they're going to be able to answer but it, it's a nice story that's the thing. And it's certainly a story that we enjoy, but we see flaws with it. Yep. And we're happiest when we don't. But I still I still enjoyed this episode so much. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. 
Yeah, great episode. And we have three more episodes and basically a two hour season mm-hmm. finale, even though it's really mm-hmm. two episodes back to back. Which means probably back. a four hour podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> have, fun. have fun with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Look how long we're talking about this one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jacqueline, I know that you and Hunter will be back at the end of this episode to share some spoilers, but let us know before you go where can people follow you on Twitter? They can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. Great. Thank you very much for joining us for this conversation, Jacqueline, and for moderating the forums. No problem. Thank you. Thanks. Wow. 30 minutes (laughs) for one scene. (laughs) Yes. It was a very intricate scene. Yeah, (laughs) it was. And we know that you appreciate listening to us because we get so in-depth, and I hope we didn't put you to sleep. Or maybe you listen to us to help you sleep. I saw that in one of the reviews oh dear. for one of our other podcasts. That's, they enjoy us because we help them sleep. Guys, it's not safe to let us into your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but something that does help make our dreams come true, and we really appreciate it, is when you leave kind ratings and especially write a review for us in iTunes over at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes or oncepodcast.com slash Stitcher or whatever app you use to get our podcast, but especially iTunes. That really helps us. And specifically, thanks to Nicola Kerwin, Chris M, Fish One, and Ivana from Australia. Thank you so much for your iTunes ratings and reviews. They encourage us and they help other people find the podcast. Now, if you haven't left a review for us yet, then we would love to see a review for you from you, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes to write a review for us, and we would really appreciate it. So thank you so much for writing those. Thank now, you. let's move on to the present day in Storybrooke. It starts out with Regina and Robin standing in a hallway. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> uh, yes. I, that I was at your pun, scene. not at that scene, because I like them together. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's so rewarding to see this because Regina has spent so long as the villain, and she still struggles with that harsh personality. I know, but it's time. just funny now. <laughs> I love. I laughed out loud at her so many times. She had so many great lines. Yeah. yeah. And and to see her so genuinely happy here, not like a revenge happy, not like a ha, I win happy, Mm -hmm. nothing like that, but glowing. Smitten. Yeah. She's smitten. Imagine if she had a Haagen-Dazs, how much more smitten she would have. But Robin said that what he saw in Regina is a second chance. And the more I think about that, the more vague it seems to me. Because is it Robin's second chance? Is he seeing that, like, are they seeing that each other is getting a second chance at love? Or does he see (laughs) that each other is in their second chance at life and doing this right this time? Or was he referring to how many chances he had to kiss her in the one scene? (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you mean. I think it was I think it was multi-layered. Yeah. And that they they see this and respect this about each other is really cool. And to realize that this is only with Regina feeling somewhat. Right. Yeah, I imagine when she gets her heart back, she'll poof and she'll be in a wedding dress. That'll be some kiss. <laughs> <laughs> 
It'll just happen spontaneously. It will be the kiss to break all spells. The kiss... Hey, what, what's the line? You from... might be solving the riddle to the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. You never know. Regina was the the curse breaker, kissing Henry. Now Regina's the one that needs to go around kissing people in order to yes. bring their memories back. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that happened. Well, yeah, they all got their memories now. Yeah, how come? How come Robin didn't get his memory back when she was kissing him then? Because she only had part of her heart, or she couldn't feel fully. If she had okay. all of her heart, then he might have gotten his memories back, just like Graham did. That is, that actually, oddly, is a good question, unless there's some kind of connection between Henry and the curse. I don't know. Because it's like, okay, yeah, it has to be true love, but supposedly they're soulmates. Are they just not quite there yet? Is that the deal? They're soulmates, but they're not into the true love phase yeah. of their soulmate-ness. Yeah, I can I don't see know. that. Were Emma and Graham into the true love phase of their soulmate-ness? Yeah, were Snow and Charming, since they'd hardly spent any time together when he broke the sleeping curse. Mm. Yeah. I know, I know. It's like, it's not. The, the, the reason that kissing Henry worked isn't clear enough to understand why kissing her soulmate didn't mm-hmm. she did hint again that remember this is early on in the episode she hinted here at what would happen with snow and charming because she said uh, or robin said use mine for the both of us Aww. yeah i know i love it when when things like that it's like oh that's sweet and then you rewatch and it pops out differently because you've seen the end <laughs> It sounded like there was a new theme in this episode, like a Regina Robin love theme. That would make sense. And I was even just thinking a minute ago that Regina kind of needs a new personal theme. Because <laughs> it's mostly angry evil queen marching is her typical theme. <laughs> well, she can still be... Um, Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I can't think of another word to say the word that I want to say, so. Oh. Yeah, she can still be a witch. She can be quite a witch at times, or an evil queen, or a a really snotty mean girl. A mean girl? She she can can still have her strut. Yeah. And be good. Mm. Yeah, which will be interesting to see on her. And we're getting to see, I think, a little bit of that so far. Everybody raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Regina Mills. <laughs> but then as they have their little meeting in Granny's living room or whatever this is, part of the Granny's um, bed and breakfast section, it seems that this whole thing about being in Storybrook, now we know this is completely irrelevant to Zelina. Zelina didn't need them to come to Storybrook at all. And that's what this was really the shocker to me because I'd even said maybe the reason why Zelina wanted Snow's baby because is because it was born in one realm and brought to another and that connection and being able to cast the curse from our world. Now we know Zelina doesn't care what world she's in. Right. So their whole getting here and trying to figure out who cast this curse or how to break it um, was a really interesting twist. And I, I really liked that with the story that it really, it surprised us. 
It surprised me. And I like it when a TV show can still surprise us. Yeah, it's not as simple as we thought it was to begin with. It's like, oh, new villain, her new curse, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it wasn't blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) I like that it's so much more intricate than that. And while it's more intricate, it's also very simple to me. Simple enough that they could have had this conversation three episodes ago, realized (laughs) that Henry was the key, and realized that they could just look for the book. But, you know, let's go check the closet. I did like about this scene that it wasn't written in the typical, in the way that I just griped about in the past where Regina was just like, hey, here's this thing that's in my brain that you need to know that you never knew before. They sat there and they reasoned it out logically. At least there was enough sort of discovery. It wasn't just an explanation of things that they knew that we never knew before. Mm-hmm. Right. I felt like they took me along with them and it made sense. It's really cool that Regina is saying that they all need to believe in happy endings mm-hmm. again. And that all resonated with all of them. And that's cool because, and Regina is starting to see that because now that she's in love and smitten, she's oh. starting to believe in a happy ending for herself right. again. And can we all start referring to Hook as the handless wonder? <laughs> <laughs> And I also, I took note that Emma goes, last time all it took was my believing in magic and kissing Henry. Oh, was that all? That that was that was nothing for you, was it? The whole believing in magic thing? Yeah, it only took 22 episodes. <laughs> right. It was a pretty big moment in our lives, Miss Swan. Um, another thing about the happy endings that also made me think about the pilot, because... Rumpel said the curse meant no more happy endings. And then Henry told Emma, you're going to bring back the happy endings. So it just, it was another throwback that was very similar. Similarly, simil, similarly, <laughs> similarly, <laughs> similarly. Yeah. Just uh, say it fast it was, and confidently. It was worded. <laughs> it was worded the same as in the pilot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. I love that. I love that they keep doing that. One of the other things that I think harken back to a previous episode you is harken. in this next scene <laughs> when we see Hook in the trunk of Mr. Gold's car, <laughs> there was also rope and duct tape. In nice. Back to the episode Skin Deep. Now, it wasn't the same rope. Yes, I compared screenshots, but nice. it could have been the same roll did. of duct tape. Nice. <laughs> I don't uh, like Zelina. I I still want to drag one more line out of the out of the council room. If David got his moment to say something sort of smart and snarky in the Enchanted Forest, he said something really stupid in this room. A book can't just disappear. <laughs> the whole town disappeared for a year. <laughs> Everything in that town just disappears. What is wrong with you? Of course yeah. it can just disappear. It's magic. It's, it's magic. It's Brigadoon, practically, dude. People disappear. And it just appeared in the first place, so of course it can disappear. It's a magical right. book. Yes. So, sorry, David, you are still both sometimes. Yeah, he's really both. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, as... Back to The Bachelor, or Bachelorette, I don't know, just standing there with the rose, I don't know. That'll make some fun Valentine's Day photos for <laughs> next Valentine's Day. I wish they showed this episode a little longer or earlier. That way I could have made more <laughs> Valentine's Day images like I did last year. But 
Uh, that'll be fun for next year. And I know all the ladies will love seeing Hook on a Valentine's Day card. Who will get the rose and go home in the trunk this week? <laughs> There's rope and duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. At the diner, Henry is really catching on with things and wising up to stuff and and it didn't happen the way that i thought it would happen where he would start seeing magic start questioning things and all of this i mean that kind of happened but it happened like super quickly well i think it's been um i think he's been bottling it up a lot yeah just like taking it all in right and like how many ships can she send me to How many fishermen can she farm me off with? Or how many short guys who talk yeah. weird and have what? weird noses? Well, no, they have normal what noses. What is happening here. right yeah. now? <laughs> Which, by the way, Grumpy is a terrible babysitter. <laughs> yeah. The dwarves He's aren't short like, in Storybrooke. They're not, pardon? Oh, short? Yeah. Yeah, they're not, I don't think. Henry's temper tantrums are way less obnoxious and bratty than they used to be, but still a little whiny. It's true. He, you know, it's a process growing up. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not there, so we're good. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been whining about continuity for a good 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've been on a couple soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully it's a little more mature and a little less annoying than in the past. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I liked that he kind of finally called her out because... Because one would after all of that. And I, but the thing is, they were just going to the Charming's apartment to search for a book. Why not just take him? Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, understand that's that. True. But yeah, then he had to do his thing and he was pretty. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like at that age that after one horrific driving lesson in a truck, I would have felt like I could just drive a different vehicle. <laughs> To a bus station, the location of which I knew not. I do feel like Emma, who has all of her memories about Henry and his father, should know better than to give the kid car keys. Right. True. Yeah. Mm. And Jacqueline wanted to point out that this is a little bit of a parallel to the episode of Tallahassee when Emma and Neil met. Henry asks for the keys. And in the episode of Tallahassee, Neil says, you could have just asked for the keys. (laughs) And it's also a little bit similar to how Emma stole the bug. Neil stole the bug like mother, like father, like son. (laughs) Henry is stealing the bug, too. And what episode is it when Henry goes to blow up the well and Emma's just like, he's your son. You fell for that? Like, come on. (laughs) And then she just did. So I hope the bug turns out to be some magical character that's been helping them. After having been cursed to be a car. <laughs> like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Is that- <laughs> sure. Or I mean, that's our cars reference. Think about it. That car's always been there. We could get a backstory of Neil and the car. We already got well, the car's backstory. Well, we did, too. He didn't have it much before that. <laughs> well, then, as they start going to search for this, this uh, book, it was strange that it magically appeared for snow. It's mm-hmm. not that it magically appeared. It magically appeared for her. Right. Except I saw it before that. Oh, you did? 
Well, I, d- I thought I did well, when see, Emma was believed. looking. Emma didn't. But then <laughs> someone in the chat room was like, anybody else see the book? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So it wasn't just me. Like, I saw the corner of the book when Emma was sifting through. So I'll if that's true, screen, they gave yeah. us Snow's eyes. They didn't. Emma oh, didn't yeah. see it because she didn't want to see it. And she didn't believe or something. It wasn't or really Or it was clear. just a mistake. A continuity that, mistake. That's weird because that's something that they can very easily fix just with multiple cuts, which they did. And like well, if you ever watch shows and realize how many cuts they do. Yeah. Cutting back and forth between mm-hmm. camera and camera. And those cuts could have been filmed hours apart in multiple takes mm-hmm. and everything. So they certainly had the ability to put the book in there when Snow went to check it. Well, that's... That's why, at least in for everything I say in this moment, if we saw it, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. That, yeah, it's there. But Emma just couldn't see it. I was pretty sure it wasn't there when she I don't really it. know. I I mean, we were all looking. They kind of made us look. I don't remember seeing I'll, it. I'll but. look again. I'll try to find the screen cap. But I wonder if the reason, if it was that she appeared, or that the book appeared, appeared to snow in both cases was maybe rumple wrote this into the curse originally that rumple is the one who created the book mm-hmm. and it was written in as kind of a back door that it would appear only to snow ever and so when the curse is repeated it would appear to snow again now right and or maybe it comes from something bigger yeah like, why Snow? Of all the people, mm-hmm. why Snow? Because Rumple didn't know about Henry's son when he cast the curse. I, I mean, wonder, n- not Henry's son. He didn't know about Henry. I was going to say, I'm not. <laughs> right. I wonder if it's like Wait. good magic's way of fighting back mm. against dark magic because the curse was originally cast against snow like that was regina's whole reason for wanting to cast the curse which i know that we know that you know rumple orchestrated the whole thing but maybe it's just kind of like the book is the good magical price for Mm -hmm. using such dark magic and that's it's basically aiding them in breaking Mm -hmm. the curse interesting in the chat room right now ash pointed something out by quoting from the bible hebrews chapter 11 which says faith is the evidence of things not seen and in this episode snow did refer to how strong her faith was Mm -hmm. so maybe she could see it because she believed she would be able to see it and find it but emma didn't really want to not quite right while they were looking, I was just thinking maybe they should check the floor vent. And then they can all laugh and reminisce. Hey, Regina, remember that time that you framed me for murder and put a murder weapon in there? That was great. <laughs> and Regina said that there were chapters in this book about Oz. Yes! We know. Finally. Which we, we know. We've yeah. been talking about it from day one. <laughs> yeah. It's the pilot. <laughs> There were flying monkeys on those pages. Little did we know they were people like Philip and Aurora and Little John. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll never watch the pilot the same way so again. I, I do wonder what does the book say about Zelina, if anything at all? It's a good question. They didn't really get that far, did they? No. It just, she 
Regina takes the book to go try and learn about Zelina. Mm-hmm. And we don't get anything more after that. Well, maybe it'll come up in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Emma's emotions, though, came out in this of this little conversation that she had with Snow and how Emma kind of wanted to go back to New York and go back to home. The things that she knew, the comfortable life, the life without the fighting, the magic, the swords. I know. I'm just glad people have been talking some sense into that girl in this episode. Into Emma? Yeah. I think going back, I mean, going back for what for a year was to them the good life as though there will never be a problem there, but abandoning her family to do it, you know, is, I wouldn't say the most healthy choice. No. That's Snow, true. Snow pointed out it wasn't really home, didn't have them. She had to forget most of the things that she values in order to make it something like home. We got two suggestions of where the book may have come from, Tammy suggested that maybe Snow's baby brought the book because Selena could sense <laughs> that the baby was magical. So could Glenda. Maybe the, this baby is even more magical than Zelina. Maybe I'm, I'm sudden. I laughed because I'm suddenly seeing Zelina's little baby arm waving trees <laughs> around through the air again. And Chris suggested that maybe Snow's belief is what wrote the book. And that it it completely originated with her. Maybe. I don't know what how you explain it. They've always hinted, back when they were actually doing their official podcast, Kitsis and Horowitz hinted that there was something to the book that was sort of endgame-ish. Mm. Something we wouldn't know for a very long time. And I like that. I want to see that the last scene mm-hmm. of the entire series is the book closing (laughs) and then maybe fading out maybe whatever we saw something so close to that in the mid-season finale where the curse absorbed the book that could have been the end of the series if it had to be so they're gonna have to do they'll have to top that really (laughs) they'll have to yes yes (laughs) meanwhile hook and um, and smee and henry are out at the docks and on the GPS, when Emma looks to see where he is, she pulled out an iPhone, it looks like, and she has this GPS app, which she must have great gloves to be able to interface with that touchscreen. Oh, it's, it's all the rage these days. Yeah. And on the GPS, there was um, a, what looked like a road, but it's called Peter's Esplanade. Esplanade, I mean, which an Esplanade is... A pathway basically along a coastline or okay. along a body of water okay and so it was cool that it said peters because the next scene they refer to peter pan yeah oh funny <laughs> why was it snowing at the dock because it's snowing abnormally large quantities of snow in canada this winter sure sure and i know they can't control the weather and I know they can't reshoot a lot, but maybe I can't remember where were they when she looked at the GPS. 
They were in the diner. They were in the diner. Okay. And Hook and Smee and Henry were on the <laughs> But dock. did they run outside? Did we see them? I guess it snowed while they were in the diner. Right. Because earlier that morning <laughs> when Emma left and yes. Henry asked for the keys, there wasn't snow on yes. the ground. So it, I was, all of a sudden it was snowy. I was like, huh, that's weird. Well, I guess that's real snow. It is, it is Canada, and I know that when they were filming, the whole continent basically was getting strange amounts of snow, and people were blaming Elsa and all kinds of things, (laughs) but still, it was, it was a little funny. So I guess just while they were in Granny's, it snowed Mm. quite suddenly, because that was actually happening. (laughs) You could get more snow at a coast than you get in the middle of a city, too, so. Mm, Okay. Yeah. I promise. It was pretty. It was so very we, pretty. We got to see seven flying monkeys. I know, and Hook didn't once call them Simeon anything. <laughs> and when did Hook get a gun? Well Maybe even multiple guns. I guess. And and they were set to incinerate. <laughs> as was Regina's hand. And did Charming throw his sword at one of the monkeys yeah. pilot style? He did. Also set to incinerate. And he did go and pick it up. In the scenes that follow, you can see. Oh, him so it wasn't going a boom a sword in a Ford, <laughs> right? Um, I was because of all the pilot crossovers or similarities. There we go. That we saw this episode. I was a little disappointed that when Emma was explaining everything to Henry, she didn't say his own words back to him. Because the scene like was so perfect for that when she was just she could have just been like everything in this book actually happened and hmm. whatever. <laughs> well, she did, but what she said was not what what Henry said to her in the pilot episode when Henry is on the bus and some strange lady across the aisle from him <laughs> says something about his book and he says it's more than just a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what Emma said to Henry in this episode. So it's yeah. not what he said to her, which, yeah, I think that would have been cooler to see her say the same thing back to him. Yeah, I loved I loved this scene and a lot of the lines here. There was some that struck me as kind of an allegory for Christianity. I mean, she's standing there. They call her the Savior. And she says, it's more than just a book. Do you believe in me? Mm. I was like, hmm. Nice. (laughs) And he continues with the trust, which is really cool. His trust toward her and his relationship toward Emma is just really cool and matured in Mm -hmm. this episode. I mean, not just this episode, but this whole second half of the season, we've seen so many times that Emma has asked him to trust her. And he said, yes, I trust you. Mm -hmm. And he's continued on. And that's been so cool to see that kind of relationship. And then there was Auntie Zelina, <laughs> who is, if you think about it, actually his, his aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, like adopted or his step great. Oh, let's not get into that. <laughs> so you think your family's got problems? He his his aunt held a knife to his throat or something. Maybe just her magical hands. I can't remember. I took it as a knife. Her magical arms. And then and introduced herself. <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. We're going to have a 
little chart on the website soon <laughs> that will show the family tree. And this will be in a cool interactive way a little bit, as long as I can get the technology to work. So you'll be able to understand the relationships a bit better. Yeah, their oh family tree, the original animated Sleeping Beauty and the bushes that were caused by Maleficent. That's basically what their family tree looks like at this point. <laughs> Complete with the thorns. Yeah. But I did wonder if maybe Henry was somehow being the thing that was burning Zelina. Yeah. The second time I took it less as Emma's hitting Zelina and more as Emma is protecting Henry. Right. Which makes sense for light magic. By making his skin or his coat burn Or just her. that she couldn't touch him without consequences. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's something that is now stuck on him, that he's now protected and enchanted in some way that I Zelina can no longer find him. I had a feeling that it just had to do with the light from the ceiling. Well, uh, I mean, not the ceiling, the magic. <laughs> they, they should really replace that light bulb. Uh, I think it was pretty effective. Unless you're, you know, wicked. I was pretty excited about Emma using her magic or mm-hmm. whatever happened to Free Henry. Yeah. I thought it was the most exciting Emma magic moment since <laughs> she Care Bear stared Cora in the yep. Queen of Hearts. Hashtag save Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just keeps happening over and over and over again. They should never go to the docks. Goodness. <laughs> Nothing good ever comes of that. No. Right. But it was really cool to see this time Regina being the savior instead of Emma and how much the roles have been reversed and split and changed with this whole curse casting. Like someone else cast the curse with completely different motivations to bring happy endings, not to destroy them. True. Regina helped instead of was the one to cast this. Regina was doing this out of love instead of hate and vengeance. And Regina was the savior instead of Emma. All of these cool things and ways that they've turned this around. And Regina's a good guy now. And she's been a good guy, good Mm. girl, for a (laughs) while. But to then see her get to fulfill this role and not it all be on Emma's the savior, Emma's the savior, Emma's the savior. Because I almost felt like, okay, you're stressing this a bit too much. She can't be the savior for every single circumstance. Like, oh no, what are we going to do? Call Emma. And then like, you know, super Emma. <laughs> She'll have like a bat signal in the sky that they can shine when yeah. they need Emma. Yeah. So seeing them do this with Regina was really cool and nice twist. I was going to say it was the same curse, but as we remembered earlier, the curse scroll was broken. Yeah. So was it the same curse? Right. I guess it was. I don't know. And Zelina probably knows now that the curse is broken as well. I would think so. And it makes me wonder... A rainbow shockwave is hard to miss. <laughs> what? How will that affect Rumple? Um, if at all. Get a few memories back? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it'll affect him too much. I mean, it might empower him in some way, might give him new ideas, or he'll know more of the story or anything like that. The more you know. And it was really cool that Hook has now brought the truth out there, at least, to Emma, mm-hmm. sort of. Mm-hmm. And I think, to his credit, mm. yeah, he was trying to do what he could I agree with Emma, too, that he should have told her. But then again, he was thinking, well, if I tell her, then Zelina's going to come kill Henry. 
So I need to try and do something without telling Emma. She would have swooped in. Regina would have just stared at her and she would have turned Hook and Henry and Snow and Charming into flying monkeys. And they all would have looked at each other and squawked and flight away, flew away. What? What just happened? (laughs) They would have flown away. Thank you, brain. (laughs) And then they would have returned and gotten shot by Robin Hood and they would have been incinerated. (laughs) So Hook actually, and he didn't even go the opposite way and be like, all right, I got to go kiss that woman and take away her magic. And we're totally at Zelina's mercy. He did. And he protected Henry. I, I didn't get the whole, it's my decision to protect Henry or whatever she said speech. What you don't want you don't want your your closest friends and allies watching out for your son? What was he supposed to do? Let him drive away and just go tell you? Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think he's just like he's so clouded. Like even when Emma confronted him after she knew about it, he still wasn't being super clear with her. How hard is it to say she cursed my lips, I didn't know what to do, I'm in love with you. I didn't want to kiss right. you. And you know what I mean? Like, how hard is right. it to just say that? But I guess because he's a pirate. Well, and then Snow and Charming come and say, yeah, you can't trust him because he said he received the message from us. Well, no, he didn't. And in fact, let's go back to the episode Witch Hunt and hear <laughs> what Hook actually said. I don't understand. If you left the Enchanted Forest before the curse, how did you know to find Emma and come to Storybrooke? As I was sailing the realms, a bird landed on my ship's wheel with a note instructing me to retrieve Emma and bring her back here. It was a small vial of memory potion tied to its leg. Who sent it? I assumed you did. Message via bird, it does sound like you. So he never said that she sent it. He said, I assumed. Yep. They're kind of treating her... (laughs) They're kind of treating Hook now how they treated Regina, where every time she, like every time something went wrong when she was trying to get redemption, they would just throw it back in her face and blame her. Like in the cricket game, when Archie went missing, they just assumed it was her. And so they're kind of like, they're kind of there with Hook now. Like they're just assuming that he's bad and that he's lying, even though he's done so much to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't think from his response that it even took a superpower to tell that he was telling the truth. Right. So boo, they better get that sorted out in the first 10 minutes next week. That's all I can say. And by the way, there's a post in the forums of trying to figure out who the flaming flying monkeys were, because (laughs) how would you figure that out? (laughs) As Jacqueline pointed out, the monkeys that we know of are Walsh, at least five dwarves, uh, Philip and Aurora, five. Little John. Oh, I forgot. Actually, I think it was four dwarves um, or three. Uh, and they killed seven. But I'm sure that Zelina has a whole army of these flying monkeys. So the seven that were killed were probably nobodies. Sorry. I was starting to doubt how many there even were because we never saw them in such great numbers. Yeah, because it always seemed like it was just Walsh monkey. <laughs> but he's probably still out there somewhere. Walsh wizard. Monkey wizard. Monkey wiz. <laughs> yes. Wiz monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Oh, man. <laughs> and this last scene at Neil's grave, it, it, it was good to see that 
reminding us that Henry spent this time with Neil and got started to love him as his father. And now that he remembers everything, he realizes this father that he was getting to know is now dead. Mm -hmm. And the emotional weight of this, I don't think they really could communicate that fully in this scene with as short as it needed to be, but just that, that weight and the respect now of Henry realizing that, yeah, Neil was a hero I know so much controversy over how Neil died and did he have to die and all of that mm. stuff. And yeah, that and so much more with the series right now. But it it's neat to see him recognizing Yeah, my father died as a hero. I think I was a little distracted by the fact that there was a big giant tombstone that said Neil Cassidy on it in Storybrooke. And was it there the whole time that they wondered where he was? No, because remember, they buried him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'm having timeline confusion. My nose is bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that could be because a baby's coming. Yeah. I do I do wonder if Selena's going to have mercy on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, I, I just wanted, I'm sure they might have maybe some bloopers. That's, uh, the baby's coming. Call the midwife. Oh, well, wait. she definitely did. She starts screaming and saying the baby's coming right out in the open. Mm-hmm. Try, try to hide that snow. Maybe go where there's a protection <laughs> spell. I think the next episode will be the baby being born. Well, one would hope so, because otherwise it's either false labor or Snow's going to be running around occasionally screaming for the entire episode. And (laughs) I would guess maybe the opening scene of the next episode will be Snow being rushed into the hospital about to give birth to the baby. Lights flickering? Now, maybe. I haven't seen any of the spoilers, and Jacqueline and Hunter will provide our spoilers in just a few moments after we finish the main discussion of the podcast. So you'll be able to hear there and maybe you've seen or heard something yourself. But this story is about to get, I think, action packed as the baby's coming. Zelina needs that baby. She needs Emma out of the way. So many things are coming down. Three episodes left. This is going to be epic. Two Sundays, three episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. So we would love your feedback about the next episode of Once Upon a Time, because now we're finished talking about this episode. So you can continue the conversation for this episode either in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 147, or join our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums, and send us your feedback after you watch the next episode of Once Upon a Time. Just put the title of the episode in the subject line of your email and send it to feedback at oncepodcast.com or you can send a voice message through the website oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device or just pick up the telephone and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also connect with us on Twitter. The whole show is on Twitter at oncepodcast and connect with each of us individually, please. I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without the great help of so many people supporting us and volunteering their time and energy to make this podcast possible. So thanks to Corbin for sorting the feedback for this episode, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episode, 
Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb for managing our timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J for moderating the chat room, and Jeremy Hunter and Jacqueline and Aaron for hosting this podcast together, and for you for being part of this great community. And remember, after true love, there is no more powerful magic than footwear. So keep it protected. Thanks for listening. Keep it protected. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our contributors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate to help keep the podcast running, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor for a one-time monthly or per episode sponsorship, and we would really appreciate it. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. And we have got your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 20, Kansas, is directed by Gwyneth Horner-Payton and written by Andrew Chambliss and Kalinda Vasquez. With Mary Margaret in labor and due to give birth at any moment, the residents of Storybrooke go on high alert in an attempt to ensure that Zelina doesn't try to steal her newborn baby for use for her ultimate game plan to turn back time and change her destiny, while obliterating Regina's existence. Meanwhile, in the land of Oz of the past, Galinda tries to convince Zelina to fight her evil tendencies and join her and her sister witches as a protector of Oz, but the appearance of a young girl from Kansas can turn out to be her undoing. Yay! Dorothy! (laughs) Yes, we have um, a lot of people coming back. We've got David Andrews as Dr. Whale. Uh, Raphael Sabraj is back as Archie. We also have Sunny Maybray as Galinda. Then we also, now we have Sharon Taylor as Witch of East, Karen Holness as Witch of North, and I'm very, very sorry I'm pronouncing this completely wrong. (laughs) Maitreya shows Wanser as Dorothy. I I screwed that up. I know I did. I have no idea how to pronounce it either, so it's okay. I'm very sorry, but we have a really cute girl as Dorothy. Yes, and she's <laughs> even wearing a blue and white checkered dress. Yes, the gingham dress. Yes, that. If they didn't have that, I would have been a little upset. Me too, because that's classic Dorothy. Yeah. So have you been able to see both the American and the Canadian previews? Yes. Yeah, the American one, obviously, um, I think a big part of this episode is going to be Snow giving birth. And it looks like Zelina comes into the hospital and pretty much knocks everybody out with like a spell. And then she's going to try and take the baby. And it looks like she succeeds. Yes. Because it's kind of scary. It is very scary. And she's going to end up at a barn where she has what looks to be like some sort of alchemy symbol that might be a giant clock. And every 15 minutes there's a different object because now she's collected all the items she needs. We also see that um, hook collapses. Yeah. So we hope everything's okay with him. And then in eyes, we get to meet Dorothy of course. And Zelina's it's pre green Zelina. Yeah, I'm having a really hard time trying to figure out the timeline for this episode 
because in one of the episode stills that was released, you see a profile of Zelina, and it looks like she has a small green patch on her neck. So she might have found a way to control being green. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But then we see her, she does attack Dorothy, but then she's green. Yes, fully green. So, so this is probably the time when she's finding out who she is and meeting Rumple and everything and starting her lessons. Yeah. And then at the end of the American preview, <laughs> Zelina gets melted. Melted. She's totally going to get melted. It's kind of awesome. I wonder if that will work in Storybrooke as well, and they just don't know it. Is it, like, holy water, or, well, like, what kind of water? I don't Cause know, because they look like they're standing next to the well. Yes. Almost like it's the same well that's in Storybrooke, which probably has the same waters. Right. So, I think it has to be those specific waters, but it's really freaky looking. Yeah, and she somehow comes back from this, because this is pre-Storybrooke, so we know she's back. Right. And then in the Canadian pre-promo, we do see Glinda and Zelina are there when Dorothy arrives in Oz, Mm -hmm. which is different than the actual storyline. Because Dorothy gets there and she is, she lands on the Wicked Witch of the West, which it's looking like they don't, or the Wicked Witch of the East, sorry. And it looks like that's not happening. Right. It sort of looks like both the Wicked Witch of the West, Zelina and Glinda, meet Dorothy when she lands there's a huge pile of debris so they are going with the traditional house coming from a tornado scenario Um, but it looks like we're going to find out more about the history of Galinda and Zelina because we know that they used to be friends yes and we also see that when the baby comes magic happens kind of like when Henry was born yeah the lights are flickering And Regina is just being very protective. Yeah. But it looks like she gets knocked out again. Yes. She has yet to get a good hit off of Zelina. (laughs) Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Yes. So we do see in the pictures that Dorothy's house is in shambles when it lands. Because usually when, like in the movie and in the book, when it lands, the house just like perfectly lands. Right. (laughs) This one doesn't look like that. No, it's a complete disaster. (laughs) And we see Zelina has shown up at the hospital, and Charming's drawing a sword, and then we know from the preview she cast that frozen spell on him. Right. And there is one more object in the episode stills that I think is worth mentioning, and there is a giant spell book resting on the well in one of the pictures behind Zelina. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're familiar at all with the story of Wicked, either the book or the musical, you know that Elphaba, the Wicked Witch, has a spell book that she took off the wizard and yes. uses it. So I'm thinking that might be a nod to that book. Yes. So that's what I have based on the prom- or based on the actual episode. Do you have anything else based on the episode? Because I have some inter- an interview that talks a little bit about what's coming. The only thing else is that in this episode, 320, we're going to find out who was ruling Oz after Walsh became a monkey. Okay. So it might be Zelina, or it might be this coven of witches, the north, south, and east, maybe. I can tell you in the book, each each witch had their own, like Oz was in the center, and then each witch had their own area mm-hmm. that they were in charge of. So it could be something like that, where then they just all take over Oz, the Emerald City. Yeah. 
So there was an interview out there with Adam Horowitz, and he goes that there is an additional surprise element to what's coming, and that this episode, episode 20, will open the door to a new adventure that leads to the two-hour finale. Did you read that? I have read that. I have a little theory on that. Okay, go ahead. I think episode 320, Kansas, is going to be the last time we see Zelina. Ooh. I think that Emma will somehow find a way to defeat her in this upcoming episode, but as sort of a last act before she dies, Zelina is going to figure out a way to send people to the past. Oh, cool. And if you've been keeping up with spoiler pictures, episode stills from on set, then you know that something happens because in the two-hour finale, Emma and Hook are in the past around the time of the episode Snow Falls, based on what the guards are wearing and based on the way Charming and Snow were dressed. Awesome. But no one saw Rebecca Mater for those two episodes when they were filming. So we kind of think that she might be done for after this episode. So we do know that the season finale was written as a two-hour movie. Yeah. And it will complete the arc of the season and set up season four, which is yet to be officially announced. And there is something that I did find in the, in my little research that's kind of exciting, that there will be a wedding. Yes. A splashy wedding, I believe they're calling it. Okay, because they haven't really given us any clue, or at least I wasn't diving that deep into it. Um, there wasn't; they didn't say who it was going to be. Yeah, and there seem to be a lot of options now that we know Zelina wants to go back to the past and try and change it. It's possible that the wedding might be Snow and Charming. If Emma somehow finds a way to make sure her parents stay together, okay, it might be their wedding again. Some people are speculating that it might be Regina and Robin. And some people are speculating that it might be Rumple and Belle. All these ships. All these ships. All the ships. <laughs> it's all the ships. All of them are going to get married in the finale. <laughs> um, there will be more death to come. And a quote that was given, hearts will be broken, hearts will be healed, and there will be a surprise return. And new arrivals. Yes. So maybe the death we had really wasn't the death? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I'm just speculating. We did near, hear that there would be one death this season where it was a true death. Who knows? Did you have any other information for us? That's all I've got tonight. Okay. The one thing I did read that the producers have confirmed that Michael Sosha will be heading to Storybrooke for more adventures once the show has been officially renewed. So that's official now. It's no more speculation. Well, once it's been renewed. (laughs) Right, right. And speaking of him coming, and if you're trying to figure out what season four might be, if he's coming over, I think there's a pretty good chance that our season four villain is going to be Jafar. Ooh, that would be fun. Because they kind of left that open in Wonderland. We we know that he became a genie and he zapped off to parts unknown, but we don't know what happens after that. Yeah, so it's up in the air. We'll find out more next week. Is that all you got for today? That's all I have. And that's all I have. I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>